My name is Andy Cahill. I'm a transformational coach, and I help people live life on purpose. This podcast explores the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an incredible array of practitioners, all working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dawn. My guest today is Christos Vianas, who you can hear playing the piano right now. Christos is a self-taught musician who has devoted his life to exploring the intersections of aesthetics, beauty, art, and personal development. He's the founder of the Autumn Salon, a place where music is seen as being more than a mere form of entertainment, a place where the arts are meant to serve a deeper purpose, to awaken and restore a sense of beauty mystery, and depth of feeling to the presence of our lives. We cover so much of that territory in our conversation today. It's an incredibly rich exploration. Highly recommend repeat listening. You can hear this piece of music, which is improvised, in its entirety if you listen all the way to the end of the episode. And you can also find it as a download, courtesy of Christos, at my website, mindfulcreative.coach. So let's dive in. Christos Vainas, welcome to the Wonder Dome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, such a pleasure to have you here. So Christos, folks would have heard your full intro, um, but I want to say a word or two about how I experience you and why I'm so excited to have you in this space. It seems to me that you sit at this really unique intersection of creative process, mindfulness, aesthetics and beauty and human development and right now and i think we'll talk about this there's this emerging realization it's march 27th i think we're in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic and a lot of us are spending a lot of time by ourselves or a lot of time with a small family unit or a small social unit and i've been noticing in myself and certainly other people a real hunger to connect to beauty and art right now. And I know that you're playing a lot in that space in this moment. And I'd love to talk to you about that. But what I, what I really want folks to connect to over the course of this conversation in whatever direction we go in is this recognition that art, whether you make art or appreciate art or engage with art is not a nice to have. It's not a fringe around the edges that it can actually be one of the most powerful developmental and spiritual ways of being for us as humans. And uh, I really feel like you embody that. So thank you for bringing all that into the world. I appreciate that. Uh, It's it's very nice of you to to frame it that way. I actually feel like it's a a good, uh, yeah, a good summary of, of a lot of the work I'm doing right now. Good, good. That's great. So for those uh, who don't know, Christos, you're the founder of something called the Autumn Salon, and you're also affiliated with this amazing collective called Group Muse. And I'm wondering if you could, before we dive really deep, I'm wondering if you could just say a couple words about, about what the Autumn Salon is and what Group Muse is and, and why that's so important to you. Sure. Um, yeah, so the Autumn Salon is an organization that I founded about five years ago. And it's basically a consortium of artists from around the world, um, different cultures, different traditions, different art forms. And I really look for artists. Um, I I reach out to them. I interview them. I feature them on the website in the form of written articles and videos and also curate events. Um, And each event that's curated is, is 
created specifically around themes um, that resonate and uh, sort of aesthetically reflect the the styles of, of art that the artists themselves represent. Mm. And so basically I look for artists who are both rooted in some kind of a tradition. Often it's a tradition that they have grown up with or are returning to after a period of exploration of, of other kinds of mediums. But either way, they have made the commitment and the choice to go deep into a form of craft while at the same time being very open-minded, very creative, uh, very into exploring how that craft can be continuously um, evolved uh, and, and really becoming an expression, an authentic expression of, of being in the world today in the present time. Mm. So not necessarily just trying to perfect a craft as it, you know, maybe has a certain specific standards from 300 years ago, but, but really drawing from the craft to deepen their own ability to, to both, you know, express and, and create and articulate whatever it is that they feel inspired and moved to do. Um, and also to, um, to to just really, yeah, just, just go deeper into a, a sort of timeless connection with experience that moves beyond just the personal and, and moves into um, a very essential, um, you could say universal, connection to the human experience through, yeah. that, through that medium. Yeah, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about this essential universal piece. So, so let's put a pin in that, but maybe we can just unpack a little bit more the dance you're describing between tradition and present moment. Because it feels like there's something in there that's relevant to anyone who was maybe raised in a certain kind of environment, religiously or culturally, and is now in a new environment. Or like it feels like there's something that's universal about that idea of of both being with tradition, but also being awake to the present moment. Can you talk a bit more about like what that looks like or why that's important? Sure. I mean, to me, those two elements are really just two sides of one coin in the sense of how reality works and has always worked um, in the sense of, you know, trees, each tree is unique, but it also follows this deeper order of being mm. a tree going from an acorn to an oak, as they say. And to me, that's just a natural process is that the universe builds upon itself um, and it's constantly creative as novelty, but at the same time you need that foundation of form. Uh, I mean, we wouldn't even be able to have this conversation if, if we didn't have that evolution wouldn't even be possible um, without both of those elements of, of both, you know, form and, and then also creative emergence. Mm. Um, you need both. And in, art in particular and also philosophical movements i mean you know we can get into the details of all of that i don't think it's necessary but if you just think in broad strokes we obviously had the pre-modern time where uh tradition wasn't really questioned as much um and then we had the time of modernism where there was a at least you know in the west and slowly over the world a big rejection of tradition and individuation out from a lot of the structures and the dogmas of that but you know, uh, even in my own experience with music, you know, I often modern, the modern approach, so to speak, which is it's kind of even a dated term. It's not very modern anymore to be modern, but, <laughs> but it's, it's something where you really are stepping into, you know, uh, stepping away from and, and, and kind of rejecting form and, and thinking that if you just have a creative emergence uh, through your artistic process, you, you will find truth, some kind of genuine truth that is free from all of those restrictions. And, you know, that can be true to an extent. But in my experience, if you really want to go deeper into timeless truth, not just personal truth of the moment, the passing moment, but, but we're talking about a deeper kind of moment here. You know, we're talking about mm. the eternal moment. We're talking about a moment that you feel directly connected to being the feeling of being itself in order to stay in contact with that feeling. I find that you inevitably start to access forms, archetypal forms or what have you that have, that are very much connected to tradition. And in that sense, tradition becomes a vehicle to express that, that feeling of being in the present 
and it will always evolve too. Again, just like nature does. I mean, it, you don't have to worry about it evolving. Yeah. All you have to do is just stay true to yourself, and then it will naturally evolve. Um, and then there is no conflict anymore between those two elements. Mm. I only mention it that way because I think that, at least for the 20th century, there was a tremendous conflict between those two principles. So today, I feel like it's much more about integrating those than it is about trying to isolate them and rebel against structure and overemphasize creative form and uh, creative novelty. And, and so to me, again, I look for artists who seem to have integrated and reconciled these consciously or unconsciously in their own lives and in their own crafts, because to me, that's the, that's the most authentic, wholesome, um, profound expression of, of culture that I have come across mm. is, is when there is no longer a division between those two elements, mm. but they are working together and, and reintegrated, but in a, uh, a new way that, that does shed a lot of the, the, um, cultural and, political and philosophical baggage that was been, you know, was accumulated over hundreds, if not thousands of years of human you know, history. Um, but, but getting down into the essence of, of what that process actually is. Yeah. Um, and I could go deeper into that, but maybe we could wait. With that one. <laughs> Just, yeah. There's a lot in there. I want to see if we can unpack some of this. Uh, and this is one of the gifts of, of being with someone like you who's really spent a lot of time working like I almost just have this image of you like at a cauldron, just like you're just working with all of these ingredients to make something beautiful. And, and some of the ingredients I'm hearing in there are spaces where people can encounter what you've referred to as timelessness or as the eternal moment or as a sense of being, like just really feeling alive and feeling present. That sounds yeah. like one ingredient. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, in the... You know, in, in cultural spaces, uh, in culture itself, to me, the, the inspiration or the motivation is to, to bring that feeling of, of wholeness, of, of beingness that often people are drawn to meditation, they're drawn to you know, yoga, they're drawn to, to, to looking to these more contemplative, so-called contemplative traditions. Um, and... I, you know, I have some experience with those traditions and, and practicing them. Um, and what I have tried to do is take the essence of what those are as far as the state of being that, that you are allowing yourself to, um, to rest within and allow that to be the foundation and the container for the artistic or creative or cultural process mm. experience and so creating a space that is rooted in in being in, the, in a sense sacred space which is what you know culture and ritual has been about since the beginning of human history it's you know relatively new to have so much uh, culture happening in the world that is really disassociated from any any kind of connection whether it's conscious or unconscious whether it's through the natural world or through the inner world um to connect with that culture often in the past was a ritual to become more aligned with one's experience or, you know, maybe you were overwhelmed by, by the forces of nature. And so you, you needed to dance and sing and be cathartic in order to release and feel once again, connected to, to your environment rather than in opposition to it. Mm. Um, and, and so to me, that feeling of release, I, I feel like is very, very important psychologically, emotionally, physically, even. And, and we, we are often, in at odds or tense or contracted away from that feeling of communion with ourselves, with our own bodies, with the natural world and with each other. And mm. so creating a sacred space for culture, culture can serve to uh, culture, meaning all of these forms of art and, and ritual can serve to very naturally relax and dissolve those, those tensions and those, those blocks that, that the, the, the kind of, current you know rigid and, and rather abstracted lifestyle that we live i feel like we're subconsciously yearning to embody we're yearning to feel connected to to something greater than our own you know self-conscious kind of um, existence that we're, we're cultivating every day yeah. through social media and everything else and so yeah. you know just to be restored to this very deep very old very familiar yet 
also something we, we don't necessarily have a chance to, to connect with. And, you know, a simple example transferring over to, uh, it's not too much of a jump to talk about GroupMuse for a moment. Yeah. Uh, so so GroupMuse is basically an online social platform that was created um, about eight years ago by some, some young students in college for classical music chamber house parties is basically what, what they found was that by being in the presence of a, of a musician, a classical musician playing in, in someone's house, uh, they had never been that close to the experience of witnessing, you know, a, a classical pianist. Um, and it, it sort of dissolved these preconceptions of what classical music is or could be particularly in the company of others. Because mm -hmm. I think the main thing that they felt was awe, was, was just, wow, what is, like, this is really, something really beautiful and intense and, and mysterious is going on here. And everyone else in the room seems to be sort of almost being affected by it in this way that no one really ever thought that this music could, could, could have this effect on you. Because mm. usually you think of it in this isolated concert hall where there's no connection between audience and performer, where the music is, is kind of filtered through this conceptual idea of like, oh, this is classical music, and now I applaud, and now I don't, and, you know. And so it, it kind of liberated it from those, those um, rigid structures and, and allowed it to breathe. And so anyway, they were so inspired that they created an online platform where people could arrange to host these concerts in their homes very easily and musicians could sign up to, to, um, to perform and people could sign up to attend. And, and it's over the, you know, the last several years, it's become a national organization with over 135,000 people participating and, you know, almost 200 concerts a month. So it's very active. And the point that I'm tying this into is that to me, when they started, I don't think they were very conscious of what they were actually being fully uh, motivated by, which, yeah, cl classical music was the vehicle. It is the vehicle in this case. It's, it's the ritual. Mm. But it's, it's the sacred space that they were able to share together, particularly as young people in college at this time, to have that kind of depth of meaning, of felt shared meaning, um, is something that uh, is not necessarily common, I would say, is, you know, in any age, but particularly that time to, to have that inspiration. I mean, these were people going, you know, hanging out in Boston and in the Northeastern, which is known as kind of a party college. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, you're, you're having people hanging out in little studio apartments with a cello and beer. And, you know, it's just such an interesting convergence of, of culture. So to me, you know, my inspiration by, with Autumn Salon and being involved with group music is to, to create these kinds of experiences in, in, in the culture that is ex currently existing rather than creating some thing apart, some retreat center in some beautiful, pristine environment. You know, it's about creating these experiences in the world that's already happening in a very natural way through a cultural medium that is not, uh, too, you know, I mean, I don't use the word exotic, because you know, I, I work with music from all over the world as well. But it's something that's very human. It's very natural. It's very much present already. Yeah. It's very much pointing out our humanness. It's not pointing out some otherworldly mystery, although you certainly might find that in the experience. But it's something that you and I could just go do at any time, and it could be very much integrated into your daily life, because that's what culture is, you know. Culture is daily life. We've just sort of been separated from it in certain ways or it's been uh, commoditized and yeah. put on shelves and packaged and sanitized. So, so to me, group music is a great example of, um, of, of how this experience of, of, uh, of sacredness or of ritual, gratitude, of depth of feeling, all of these things can be experienced um, very naturally and, and very um, unselfconsciously. And, and in a very um, just naturally genuine way. Like you, you can't really fake, you know, a craft. You, you, you can't sit down at the cello and fake the cello. You, it's pretty clear if you, if you spent the time 
and put in the time mm-hmm. to, to develop a relationship to the instrument, to work through whatever personal challenges you have to stay with that process, to also do your own exploration into what is the best way for me to, to play this instrument, what kind of music feels most real to me. You know, all of that is, that's, that, that is transmitted through the performance, and, and your state of being is transmitted through the performance as well. And so um, to me, it's a very powerful way to... To, to bring together what, what a lot of people, you know, as we're, you were mentioning with development or, or whatever, but um, a lot of these states of being and, and, you know, and practices and things that we're cultivating, to me, this grounds them in something that is very embodied, direct, accessible, um, speaking a language that's, that's very fundamental, in that sense, universal. It's just emotions. You know, emotions, sensations, visions, dreams, um, stories. It's about storytelling, mm-hmm. and and so to create, to hold that space, um, in in that you know container of, of being or whatever you want to call it, allows for me a way for people to come into a sense of harmony, um, you know, in resonance with with that that feeling that feeling of being through, through yeah. culture and community yeah. and, and art and craft and all of that. It's beautiful. Gosh. I, so, so I almost feel like there's like a, there's a master class with each one of these, these inputs here where we could really sort of start to break some stuff down. But I, for folks who are listening, I want to just draw a few points. One, the recognition that we sometimes get attached so much to tradition that we lose connection to the heart. And so what I hear you saying around classical music is that it, doesn't have to be this thing that we think it is just because that's the way we experience it now as as mm-hmm. big grand concert halls you're far away from the performer it feels very um formal it feels very uh almost ar- aristocratic and you're describing a version where the only the thing that changes isn't the music the music is in fact the music but the context changes and in changing that context, you're creating a space for people to take off some of the metaphorical and literal formal wear and step into a much more intimate place where the audience is just as important as the performer. That's right. And that there's actually a relationship between not only the performer and her craft, but also the performance and the people listening to and witnessing the performance. That's right. I mean, the, the term chamber music, if we're sticking to classical music at the moment, is it's it was a part of the home in England, the chamber that you would go to to retire, um, you know, to step away from the social you know, pressures, mm. to go to, to connect for that space. Was written and so to share it in that space is obviously only natural. To play that in the concert hall is not really what it's intended for, and so just in that way, it can start to work on you in that sense. Now, the music itself, you know, I mean, there are. I encourage classical musicians to improvise and compose their own works as well, or at least to explore works that are, you know, maybe written today or or influenced by other styles, just so that they can help expand the perception of classical music so that you can stop labeling it. And at that point, it's just music. You know, mm. There isn't necessarily anything else you need to associate mm. with it. Um, but at the same time, if we're just talking about music that's already been written, interpretation plays a huge role. You know, I mean, take something like Mozart or something from the classical era, which to my taste, you know, it's, I, I'm, it's not necessarily what I'm drawn to immediately. Um, uh, in the sense of I, I, I resonate a little more with with romantic music or something that has a little bit it's a little maybe a little more indulgent in emotional states. Um, but you can play you know um, a classical piece, and one one musician can play it, and you're like, okay, that's nice. You know, another it can play it, and all of a sudden you're drawn into it. Like there's a magnetism that just draws you in, and all of a sudden you don't even know what it is anymore. And to me, that's when you're in the presence of a great artist, a great interpreter, when they can kind of create this magic out of this seeming, you know, this piece that in someone else's hands might not have come alive like that. And so 
that's you know working with artists encouraging them because i mean what you're really feeling is the the interior the inner world that that person has a very rich inner world mm. that is a, like a good actor right you mm. know where you really can feel that they're they're sharing something with you that has a very deep interior uh dimension yeah. it's not just the surface forms that you see or the notes on the page or the words in the script you know they're bringing a whole life to it and to me it's that inner world that is transmitted in this case through sound that can resonate and stimulate and awaken all sorts of things in listeners you know in the imagination and everyone can have their own very unique experiences um you know just speaking of the time that we're in right now which is this interesting you know, virtual existence that we're all living um, in the past few weeks, we have brought group news online. And there was a moment a couple days ago that I found particularly poignant where it's like, you know, we were like, is this really going to work? Because we're using Zoom video conferencing to broadcast performances. But we have maybe, you know, 30, 40 people on the Zoom call. And during the performance, we would just say, you know, while this piece is being played, just type in the chat box, maybe a line or two of what's coming up for you. And there was actually some quite like it was like 30 people just started writing one lines of this long piece of poetry. And it was things like, uh, you know, a boat um, passing th over crystal clear water or, you know, like mm. golden autumn leaves or, you know, j just beautiful poetic metaphors. And I think that's the point is that all of this is metaphor. It's the music itself is a language of metaphor. And. And it stimulates and, and can invoke and connect you to your own inner life, you know. And, and to me, that, that's sacred for every person, you know, that they can have their own unique experience. But at the same time, share these universal emotions and sensations that are triggering all of these unique images and meanings and interpretations of them. Just like if you look at the moon or you go to the ocean or see a tree or whatever it is, you know, everyone might might perceive that a little differently but it still is the same thing just like a piece of music you know we can all perceive it differently but, mm -hmm. but also be connected so you can be individuated as a person but also in communion with others yeah. in a very natural way you know that's not imposed and the the idea of what you were saying of the concert hall and the rigidity and the disconnection from the heart i think is very important point because there's uh, one one teacher once said that art, that um, you know, art rooted in this kind of um, we call it spiritual intent, but but basically what we're talking about or I'm trying to point to is it, it requires the absence of aggression mm. um, because aggression, meaning uh, forcing, mm, trying to prove something mm. through your art through your art, you know, mm. so there's a kind of uh, insecurity or lack of trust in oneself or in one's craft or, you know, in, in, in others accepting them. So, so you get, uh, I think in classical music, a lot of self-aggression because it's, it's, you know, there's someone always standing over your shoulder going to criticize you if you make a mistake god forbid you know mm. and so that all translates into i i'm gonna have to prove how great i am you know or that there's like this just tension and nervousness and fear and anxiety and really a, a supreme lack of trust in in um you know in in the art or in the even maybe not allowing the art to serve a deeper purpose than that kind of insulated inner monologue, meaning like um, when you play for a child, you know, or or just anyone really, like it's more about sharing your art and the joy of your art and, and why you do it, why you love it, sharing your love, sharing your heart, right? But if all these other things, these weird institutional pressures and criticisms are going on, it can really affect the, that. And, and, and I think it can traumatize you quite severely, especially in, in these more institutionalized art forms. And so you... Um, it's very sad because I think you're almost, you're disconnected from the very thing yeah. you, you, you love unless you were just like forced to do it from age five and have never even questioned why you do it, which is a whole other story. But, um, but anyway, playing a group music, I think has been quite healing for a lot of young musicians because they realize, wow, 
so I can just play what I like right now and like I can talk about it and interact with people and people like I'm like the celebrity here like everyone loves me you know so it's it just creates a very different context um and to me that's again it's about dissolving these preconceived ideas of of the of, of the beautiful things we have I mean you know a lot of people who get interested in spirituality the first thing they often do is start looking into eastern traditions which is great and super important but I think what a lot of people overlook is the incredible incredible profoundly beautiful um forms of art and crafts and things that that have happened in you know in in you know whatever the european slash western world traditions um meaning that they're just as profound in in different ways and um to me all of this is about integration you know it's not about one or the other but it's about realizing that um Working with your senses, cultivating your senses through the arts allows you to access that deeper sense of meaning that I think a lot of us are looking for yeah. um, in, in, in whatever ways we come across it. I'm struck by the, thank you for that, and I'm struck by what seems to me to be a heightened example of what you talked about earlier, the way in which we're all longing for harmony and connection well, at the same time, longing for individuation to be unique. And, and right now that's being underlined with the, the demand on many of us to be physically distant from each other. Well, at the same time, moving towards technology that often we engage with in a superficial way. Now it's like, how can we engage in, in a really deep way? And so Group Muse is playing with that, which is awesome. But, but what I hear you calling us to through art, through music, through meditation, through whatever practice or tradition serves you or serves your collective is a call towards integration to be both a beautiful, diverse individual human and a being in the present moment who's connected to other beings and kind of the paradox that those both can be true at the same time as opposed to having to either choose pure individuality, you're original, you're different from everyone, you reject authority, you reject tradition, or pure conformity, which is I will only play my art within these boundaries and these parameters, and if I don't meet those parameters, then I'm not an artist. And I wonder, like, I wonder if we could zoom out and play with that paradox, because I know you also are deeply steeped in spiritual practices. You actually have spent a lot of time with what you refer to as those Eastern traditions, as well as the as well as the, the music and art that you've talked about. I guess the question I want to ask is, for someone who's, who's sitting here, and like you and I are enthusiasts, and you are a professional musician as well, and so a lot of ways we can move very fluidly in this topic, but, but let's say I've just, I'm just coming to my first group muse or to my first autumn salon event, uh, or I'm sitting down for my first meditation class. And there's a part of me that's really resistant to this. Like, what is this hippy-dippy stuff? Or what is this kind of flowery stuff? Like, I'm, I'm, this doesn't feel comfortable to me. And then yet I have an experience. I'm like, whoa, that was different. Talk to, talk to that person. Like, why does it matter that I enter a sacred space? Or why does it matter that I, that I lean into that paradox of both being myself but also being connected to others? What might that do for us as a society or as people? Yeah, well, that's a big question. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think paradox is a great word to use. And it's it's somewhat of a separate topic that we could maybe touch on after. But but it's this this idea, well, not even idea, but this experience or reality of of becoming conscious of the limitations of, of trying to just latch onto one thing and just keep repeating that thing is, is really a, a way of functioning, right? It's a the linear way of processing our experience. Some people might call it left brain versus right brain, so on and so forth. Uh, linear versus holistic. You know, we, we just lived in a time where I think a lot of people were very conditioned to just give, they were given the impression that if you just do this one thing or you just do the right stuff, you know, you, you get good grades, you do this, you get the job and you can have it, you know, all of that kind of 20th century model, it doesn't, it's not really real anymore. And so, you know, now a lot of People and businesses say in order to thrive and survive, you need to be more creative. You need to be thinking more holistically, more uh, about you know yeah, integration, all of that. But just from a basic human level, 
Yeah. What 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 are these experiences? What what's important about this? What's important yes. about art? What's important about culture? What's important about about being having the opportunity to come into contact with this kind of experience? Um, I think one of the the, the most uh, significant or poignant or direct ways to look at this from what I've experienced is is um, uh, working with people uh, who've gone through addiction. Um, mm. and, and working and offer meditation in an addiction recovery center where um, these are people who, you know, have really gone through a, a very difficult process that has stripped them of their social status or, you know, they, they can't fake, they can't fake it anymore. They're, you know, they're very vulnerable. Um, and you can, uh, to me, I've found working in this context to be, one of the most meaningful, genuine ways to share something like meditation because people are really open and really just, yeah, just very open to, to not judging or assuming anything about anything anymore. Um, but the point is, you know, one of the projects we did was uh, we had a poet come in and, and help people with some journals that they were writing uh, of, of some of the you know, the difficulties that they had gone through and then turning these journals into poems and then organizing an opportunity for them to share these poems mm. in the, in the community, in a, in a coffee shop, you know, where all of a sudden they're not addicts anymore. They're poets. Mm. So why is that? You know, what, what is, what, what happened there when they all of a sudden they stand up to speak and now everyone wants to listen to them as where if you saw them on the street the other day, you would have just judged them and walked right past, you know, made some assumptions. And to me, this it's this storytelling mode, you know, someone, someone starts talking in the story and all of a sudden we sit down and want to listen. And so there's something going on in, inside the, us as human beings that seems to be it's hardwired into us to, to want to share our stories, our lives with each other in a genuine way where we're showing up, where you're not just sharing the outside and the functional roles of here I am. I didn't work here. Where do you work? Oh, cool. How are you? Good. I'm good. Yay. You know, let's go get a drink. Um, as we're on a deeper level, like there's this entire inner world. How often does it come out? How often do we get to see that in another? How often are we judging people of, on that versus on the surface structures that, you know, that we're analyzing all the time and, you know, we that we do in our day-to-day -day jobs and everything else and so to me the re-emergence of the interior or the ability to share culturally our inner experience is just half of reality it's half of our lived experience and so mm -hmm. to to awaken that in whatever way in an environment where you can start to connect with that to me that's some of the most meaningful work you can do you can share. I mean, like mm -hmm. some of these people, I remember one particular guy who was in his sixties who we did a, a kind of somatic meditation with. And afterwards he said, wow, you know, I feel like I might have a purpose. Wow. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> like he actually, because he started to awaken to his, inner, his, his emotions and his felt sense of himself where he realized it had been who knows how long since he didn't feel like he was allowed to connect with that part of himself. Yeah. And if you can't connect with that part of yourself, then you don't have a sense of meaning. And if you don't have a sense of meaning, you don't have a sense of purpose. Now, uh, we have been looking to structures to provide us with that purpose of who are you? Well, I'm this so-and-so. I've achieved this. Well, good job. Great. Now, when we're living through a particular time when all those structures are breaking down or at least severely being challenged, it's very interesting because I think people – more now than ever want to connect with ironically or not even ironically enough, but interestingly enough, it's those inner worlds that are most stable. Yeah. It's that it's culture, it's art in times of difficulty, you know, spirituality, culture, art, the inner world. That's what gets us through things. That's what gives us strength. You know, when the, when the forms crumble, it's, it's the same thing with, with like we're talking about with craft and this inner fire of creativity, you can you can have all the the tools to to build something or it's technical facility. If you don't have an inner world, if you're not a good interpreter or a good actor, you can't transmit that. So so what we're talking about is connecting to that magic that that comes through in that inner experience and mm. and finding ways to share that with each other where we feel like it's safe. Because a lot of times the judgments come because it's been rammed into us since a very young age that maybe it's not safe to do that. Yeah. It's not safe to be emotional. It's not safe to share to be vulnerable. Like there was one of the group muses 
Uh, I remember there was a, a, a girl who had her eyes closed and she was very much in this moment that, you know, and then she opened her eyes and started looking around going, Oh my God, like I felt so vulnerable. Like, I got, I felt so awkward all of a sudden because I realized I was making myself so vulnerable around everyone. You know, obviously she, you know, no one noticed or minded obviously, but it just shows that isn't that interesting that we live in a culture where to be vulnerable is like dangerous, yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And obviously there's, there's reasons for that, you know, like there are dangerous things out there, but, but, this is, I think, more the, the, pointing to a disconnect and an atrophied faculty uh, within us, which is nourishing our inner world. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's kind of a long-winded answer, but I guess it's it's about you know it's about meaning and about connecting to your own, becoming rooted more in your in yourself, coming more into possession of who you are, and then feeling comfortable sharing that with others. Not in any kind of forced way, but in a, just a very natural way. We're just showing up. Yeah. There, um, many people listening will be familiar with Brene Brown, who's a psychologist and talks a lot about vulnerability. But she shares the perspective that, that actually, it's not like we choose to, I'm going to be vulnerable with you right now. It's actually, it's actually we are all always vulnerable we can't predict the future. We can't control what's going to happen to any of us beyond how we decide how to show up in a given moment. So she's inviting people in to recognize that vulnerability, that mortality, that, that that's just part of being human. And what I hear a lovely invitation, what you're sharing is the more we connect to that, the more we actually open up to what we're capable of as human beings. So like right now, maybe I'm afraid about losing a job or where I'm going to get my next paycheck. And I've attached security and stability to that paycheck, which it is on some level. I don't want to trivialize that. But what I hear you saying is that on a fundamental level, the real security and stability is inside of you. And, And art can be a kind of, key that turns that possibility on for a person regardless of their background Mm. but that by just sharing what's inside of themselves or hearing someone else share what's inside of themselves can open access that we've spent a lot of time culturally and socially repressing yeah yeah i mean there there was a talk that um uh, krishnamurti the the uh, known uh, 20th century sort of just call him an existentialist uh, mystic or something like yeah. that. Um, he, he was giving a talk to children at a school in India, um, young kids, you know, seven, eight, seven to 12, something like that. And, um, and he was trying to explain this point to them. And he just said, you know, it's like we all have talents, you know, hidden talents or talents. You know, you, you might be a great uh, violinist or a great, uh, you know, horticulturist or, you know, whatever it is. We all feel, we all might mm, see something, you know, maybe, maybe you hear an instrument or you see someone dance and all of a sudden something lights up in you where you go, that, that's me. That's, I want to do that. Mm. That that feels like something that I can do or that feels like something I'm here to do. Mm. And, you know, those messages, I think in particularly in children can come in loud and clear. And then over time, you know, we, we more and more listen to what we should do or need to do and less to what we are meant to do. And so obviously, as we're saying, there, it's very, very important to have a balance of living within the society. But interestingly, we're, we're experiencing, you know, slowly but surely a shift in values where more and more people are very interested in, you know, I mean, I was at MIT doing a panel discussion called The Meaning of Life. And what was interesting is that most people there who were now, they were, they were you know, in their early 40s and they were basically saying, you know, we, we did everything we were supposed to do here. And, but I don't know if I necessarily feel that fulfilled, uh, uh, you know, mm. just, just based on my profession right now. I mean, I think a lot of people were proud of what they had done or I'm sure some people felt fulfilled, but the idea was like, Hmm, I really thought that just by doing this and this and this, I was going to, that was it. That was like my Holy grail. But in reality, it, I feel like there's more, there's more to this than I thought. And obviously, you know, that's a whole other conversation of education and what's what people are being conditioned to perceive as 
what matters and just perceive as what existence is. I mean, you know, anyone who feels compelled to look outside of that structure, again, often looks into Eastern things or other things, starts wondering what consciousness is and exploring that. And that's a whole other world, uh, which, which ultimately is like, what is self, what is being, but to me, bringing it again down to a more intuitive or direct understanding is just that, that simple feeling of, of feeling connected to, to oneself, um, and in harmony or resonating with, um, on the personal level and in the, in the uh, interpersonal level and, and also in, in, in that which is greater than um, your, your perceived uh, experience of, of self, you know, of conscious self, like this, this deeper, you know, deeper feeling of uh, whatever word you want to use for that. Um, but, but to me, yeah, I mean, I think as humans, we're just learning how to, that's like that paradox of, of be all of these at once. And different cultures have obviously focused in on certain aspects of that. But I think there's a, a very interesting challenge and, and um, process we need to go through as, as, as human beings right now. And I do believe in my experience that art has been my compass. Music has been my compass to stay in, in connection with that feeling on the most mm. fundamental level. Mm. Um, spiritual practice is obviously a, a, a great vehicle uh, and very important, but to me, I would put the music ahead of it um, as far as allowing me to remain in touch with the trust in my own intuition and my own experience. It strikes me that one thing, one thing I'm hearing you say, like for you being an artist and engaging with your craft, even if there is no one there to listen, like you might go and play the piano after this call is over and that, and you might write a song or you might improvise, but that's helping you stay connected to that deep interiority. Absolutely. But, but you also shared, and I want to really underline this for people because this is important. A lot of the times in our society, when we think about art, we think about, um, we think about performance, we think about celebrity, we think about, uh, about being in the spotlight. And some people really don't want to be in the spotlight. Other people really do want to be in the spotlight. But what I hear you saying is that, that there is a much subtler, more beautiful, or I don't know, more beautiful, but a subtler, beautiful invitation and in, in a, in a great performance, which is that someone else, like Krishnamurti described, could see in you themselves and that by by making art and sharing it yes it would be nice to maybe it would be nice we could debate that to like be famous and sell a million records or whatever it is but there's also just like every person who hears your art is potentially someone who then gets closer to themselves yes might even discover their own artist or their own creative self or their own true self as a result of simply witnessing and experiencing someone else's craft and that feels yeah. really important like you're yeah. you're up to something important by working on your craft and sharing it that yeah that's beautifully put um you know it's in the sense of meditation is is really coming into possession of yourself through being right resting in being coming into your natural state as they say um dropping any preconceived ideas of what being and self you know, or anything is, right? You know, just being in the unknown, resting in I don't know. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, it can feel very hard for those of us who haven't gone that way. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but but that's what's interesting about art yeah. because it brings you there without you having to worry about any of that. You know, like yeah. this is the whole point is that you can't, you, know, you worrying or not makes no difference anyway. But, but, <laughs> but that process of, of my point is, you know, sitting in meditation, sitting in being it itself that is a you know that is creating a um, if you're say you're practicing with others yeah unless you're in a kind of a <laughs> guru dynamic where where you're all trying to tune into his state or her state 
their state and and be drawn into that that's one thing but if we're talking about meditation where it's about you coming into possession of your own beingness to me music is is the same like you just mm-hmm. said and that it creates a tuning fork effect where if someone is playing music or creating art in service of being mm-hmm. it's going to like a tuning fork it's not energy coming from me into others you know it's it's not about me getting my energy caught up in them and them wanting my energy Mm. it's about me resting in myself as an expression of being which invokes and inspires others to rest in themselves and connect with themselves so that there's no push and pull there's no win or lose it's not i have it all you have some they have a little it's we all have at all we all there is no uh, there's no transactions going on here it's and that's the autonomy and communion the communion is that we all are being there is no selves there's ultimately it's being we all share on the most fundamental level the feeling of being before it differentiates into anything else on the fundamental level it's I, it's exactly the same feeling and so if that's the root of the performance or the art it will have that effect if that is not, and there is the assumption of separateness that is motivating all sorts of agendas, um, then it will have a different effect. Uh, and I mean, you know, and that's a difficult, you know, I'm not judging anyone who isn't resting in being when they're playing or something like that. It's just more of on a fundamental level, your your intentions are, are kind of going in one of those one direction or the other. And, and to me, uh, yeah, I, I feel that timeless art um, always has that um, restorative kind of uh, sacred mm. presence. And, and to mm. me, that's, that's how I sort of, if you want to, I don't want to say judge, but um, that's how I feel drawn or repelled by art. Um, and yeah, we could argue that that might be a subjective thing, but, but I think that at the end of the day, it's really about honesty and intention and everyone can answer that question for themselves. You know, there's no yeah. rules. It's just, uh, it's just more of something that happens that you learn through experience and time and make your own decisions of what seems to feel like it centers you in yourself versus makes you feel like you need, you need something outside of yourself. Yeah. I hope everyone listening is, is really connecting to that. Art, music, meditation, success in any field, like whatever we're talking about, you are saying to people, you have agency in how you connect to your truest self. And you can do that by one path towards that is by opening up and listening for other people who are connected to their true self. And then you can respond to it. And you use the word tuning fork. It's like, for those who don't know, it's just this is like a piece of metal that you can that you can hit and it reverberates at a certain frequency or pitch and other things that that have a similar or harmonic frequency or pitch will start to also reverberate or resonate or make noise without needing to hit the other thing so it's just by like striking the tuning fork other things can start to reverberate and i hear that invitation it's like trust yourself learn how to trust yourself Go into that process of learning how to trust yourself because the more you do that, the more freedom and creativity you'll have in any given moment, even if you're not a quote-unquote artist or a quote-unquote musician. It's just like the craft of being a human being and engaging. That's right. And that's what, you know, I mean, they would say a good teacher, whether it's a spiritual teacher or an artistic teacher, um, ultimately is pointing the student back to themselves. You know, they're, they're... constantly pointing them back rather than drawing them into like that you need me Mm -hmm. it's it's about so if you're a great teacher of music you know you're always maybe you're a great musician maybe you're larger than life but you're you're more interested in okay who's my student what's their connection to themselves and how how can i help encourage that through my knowledge and experience how can i how can i make their fire grow just by inspiring them. You know, it's that inspiration, but they're going to, maybe they'll make, they'll go a different path than me. It's okay. But, you know, I mean, obviously that's a rare teacher. Um, You know, there's all sorts of other dynamics usually going on, but the same with, you know, with meditation or whatever. I mean, it's 
to not do that is to deny the, the truth of what we all are, I feel. Meaning mm-hmm. that we all have, we, we are, if, if we all are connected to being, which we, we are, I mean, we are being. So, um, you know, you can use fancy words for it. You can say consciousness, you know, whatever. But to me, often, even if you're getting into that whole consciousness conversation, to me, that's half of the story. The other half is the embodiment, is, is embodying that resonance or feeling of being. And that's what leads into harmony. That's what leads into art, aesthetics, all of these things of, of you know, how do I work with my life, with the world around me, the energies and emotions around me in a way that harmonizes with that feeling of being so that it's an expression of it rather than something that is distorted and in opposition to it. Because that's when you get into the kind of disassociative process of spirituality. That That's where you know, using the consciousness kind of thing is, it's apart from the world, I'm kind of resting in my spiritual state of being apart from the world. To me, working with the arts in a way that allows the consciousness to that, that sense of, of awareness to be, to, to be one with one's experience. Um, that to me is that, that that's sort of the, mm-hmm. the spiritual foundation mm-hmm. of, of, of the artistic process. It's, you know, I mean, there's words like Tantra, we talk about in, in, in Eastern traditions of working with the energies of your experience. It's alchemy in the West. Mm-hmm. That's art. What mm-hmm. is what is what is music other than vibrations of sound of different frequencies that have different psychophysical effects, uh, you know, on each other and on ourselves? That's to, to be able to perceive it on that level um, is yeah, it's it's a it's no different to me than than spiritual practice. Yeah, beautiful. So let's say, uh, particularly right now, I mean, this, I think there's a general recommendation, but maybe even a, a more specific recommendation. If you were to, to talk to someone who's like, okay, Christos, I'm into what you're saying. I'm new to this space. I don't really know a lot of classical music, um, but, and I'm stuck at home right now. Like, what's, what's something I could do? I'm willing to experiment with this invitation you give me to really just connect with art what's what's something i could do right now in the comfort of my own home or perhaps when we reach a place where i can go out in the world again safely what's what's one thing i could do to start to just experiment with that and see how it feels and works for me well i feel like the most important thing is to 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 explore Going back to that question of hidden talents or every person mm-hmm. has a talent, you know, there's all sorts of techniques and formulas and books and personalities and, you know, who, who are going to give you that impression of, I've got it. You're looking for it. I got it. You know, follow me. And and that's fine. But <laughs> um, but I think that it's about just like in the spiritual process where like, you know, ultimately they say like, this is more of a remembering of what you are than it is adding anything. It's actually taking away a lot of the preconceived notions of what is happening here until you connect with the essence of what is. And it's, I think it's the same with, with meaning in the sense of um, connecting with yourself, connecting with your body, connecting with your guts, connecting with your heart. We all have something that we've done in our lives that we, that, that probably resonates with that a little bit. Mm. And maybe it's something you haven't done in years. Maybe it's just going for a walk in the woods. Maybe it's going to the beach. Maybe it's was doing gymnastics. I don't know. Something that made you feel connected to what was yours. Mm. And it maybe even felt like it was yours alone, you know, mm. especially as a kid, you know, you think mm. it's mine. Like, like you see the piano. Oh, that's me. That's mine. You know, and then you see someone else who's really great. And you're like, oh, it's theirs too. <laughs> uh, but, but to, um, to connect you know, because you could, I could say, well, sit down and meditate and feel this and yeah. think about the, you know, yeah. but whatever that maybe you do that and it takes you further away from even knowing that. And then you, but you have all these experiences and then you get caught up in some cult or something. I don't know. So it's, you know, it's just more about on a, on the most simple, just human level. Maybe it's the memory of your grandmother. I don't know. Mm. It's just something that mm. makes you feel more alive, especially inside. And if it's somehow you can turn that into a, a, a ritual or an activity 
that you can repeat. Maybe it's just sitting on the on the chair at night and reading a, a book, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. a, a certain kind of literature you like. I mean, I've even watched, you know, something on Netflix and, and, and the re- the way that I judge if 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 there's something is if I just wasted, you know, an hour of my life or not <laughs> is, is afterwards, if I feel inspired to get up and go to the piano, then I know that something in that was resonating with me, you know, mm. some something felt meaningful to me in that moment and, and and it reverberated in that tuning fork way where now I was like, now I want to go do my thing, you know? And so it's like, what is that thing? Um, it, it, to me, that's sort of like a twist on uh, what um, Indian, um, one of the great Indian mystics or realizers, uh, Brahmana Maharshi, you know, would always say, what is the self, you know, find out what the self is. But and again, in more of this kind of, uh, we'll just say disembodied spiritual realization. But this is more of the question of on the authentic side of your, your own humanity. What is the self? Who are you? Not who are you mystically. That's, that's cool too. But, but who are you as a human? Yeah. And, and what feels most meaningful to you? And, and how can you get closer to that in your own lives? And you figure it out. You know, I don't know how to do that. You, you know, everyone has to figure that out. But first they have to just start to realize that there is something, you know, that we all have something. And that as I think we move more and more into the 21st century, that something is going to become important, not just in your career, but as your compass in life. Um, because everything else might be unknown, but that's always known. Um, you know, just like you know that you're you. You've never not known that you are you. So you've also never not known that there, well, maybe there's this moment of recollection, or recognition, but but um, but but to, to develop that connection because that's the connection to your own heart, you know that is the connection. Yeah. Oh. Beautiful. Yes, there is a, a wonderful sense that all of us have everything we need, and that if we engage with not this mystical pie in the sky sort of spiritual practice that that may ultimately be the thing you're called to but like right now in your living room with a book at your fingertips or a musical instrument or a picture of your grandmother or a walk out down the street you can start to simply listen to how something lands in you or resonates in you or moves Mm. in you You go oh what that tree is really interesting or this memory is coming up for some reason or i love the sound of that instrument whatever it is just follow your nose almost that's really great it's really great and it seems like something anyone could do and get some start to get some energy momentum behind them if they did that great so we could i feel like we have 10 more conversations we could have here we could i would i could go back and listen to this whole conversation and probably get a lot of resonances this feels like uh worth repeating and then and then i would want to pull on another thread but it feels like we've landed a really nice place in this moment in time. So Christos, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the Wonder Dome and uh, for sharing your art. So we'll have a, we'll have all places that people can come and like check you out in terms of just hearing you as an artist, because I want people to hear that. I think we'll even have a piece of music that we can share that we'll include in the episode that people can listen to, but also for sharing your perspective on on us as individuals who can be in communion and connection with each other. That you don't have to be a master artist or a famous celebrity or a mystic uh, healer to be alive and to be connected to these ideas. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's our, I would say it's our birthright. Yeah. It's our birthright to be able to feel connected. So I wish you, uh, I wish you all the best. I'm excited for future conversations, and um, thank you for taking this time. And here's hoping that everyone connects to their birthright in the days and weeks. Thank you so much. It's been a, a true pleasure. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Wonder Dome. This podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from John Nolan at Middle Mountain Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find the Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you're interested in learning more about my coaching work, or if you'd like to get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings, sign up for my newsletter in the link below. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now, more than ever.